one on one. one, on one. When, when it comes to ratings, man, we number one. We number one. I get the truth, truth. Then I give them the scoop. Hey. If anybody got a question, I give them hey. the proof. Hey. Welcome to the one on one. When it comes to ratings, man, we number one. We number one. I get the truth, truth. Then I give them the scoop. Hey. If anybody got a question, I give them hey. the proof. Hey. Welcome to one on one at Legacy Lake Sports Network. Hello, everybody. Darrell Owens, Legacy Maker Sports Network, and this is another edition of One on One. And with me today, I have one of the hottest young stars in the oh. sports journalism world. In the sports journalism world, excuse me, Miss Nashina Quick. Miss Nashina, how are you doing, my love? I am good. I have not heard anyone call me Nashina since like high school. That's <laughs> kind of cool. <laughs> All right, Sheena. Well, we can. I'll rock it out with Sheena, then we can go there. <laughs> that works. That works. And for those who don't know, Sheena is the founder of Quick Out the Blocks uh, Sports Media uh, Network. You got to check her out when you get an opportunity to hit her up on her Twitter, all that good stuff. Make sure you check her out there. And of course, she's also a sports journalist recently on Revolt TV, if I'm not, if I, am I wrong about that? Revolt TV, and I yeah. cover for Fox Sports 1340. That's right. And 1340. So, I mean, a, a woman of <laughs> a woman of many trades. <laughs> well, you know, here on one on one, we like to get things started in the right way. And then we like to start off with the check in and with the check in. We just want to check in on you, see how things have been going through COVID and how, uh, you know, you and your family have been handling things and just how you've been able to keep things rolling as we are going through these tough times uh, here in the country. Um, I will say I've definitely had a, I've had a lot of things impacted by that. Um, the most, the largest would be big three. You know, they were, they were primed for season four. Last season was my first season covering every game in every city. I had covered the league, you know, for a couple games, the first two seasons, but last year I went all in and, um, they had made, you know, some huge strides. So that was disappointing that they couldn't, they couldn't have their season, um, this past summer, but, of course, we had no draft, well, no no physical draft, no and it was in right. so it was, was going to be fun. So you know, we had the 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 um the Zoom draft, um, and now training camp. Obviously, you know things are very different. Now I'm glad that I only have to drive 20 minutes to the facilities versus going all the way down to Wofford. Right. But it's definitely different. We can't be there every day unless you're two, tier two. And tier two is basically like the national outlets like the Athletic right. and ESPN and things like that. So um, even the local news, they're all tier three also. So they had to rotate us in. Um, we have X's on the little spots that we can stand <laughs> in and, you know, masked up the whole time. No player availability in person. So a lot of things are different and they're going to continue to get different or well, to continue to remain different. I'm sorry, not get different. Continue to remain different as we try to kind of get over the hump. Yeah. You know, my, boys, my boys are athletes and they their track season was just abruptly cut short. You know, they normally would be getting ready for football right now. There's no football. So. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy. And, you know, we we're kind of in the same boat. Uh, unfortunately, uh, the Washington football team got to get used to saying they've been trying to get that going. Uh, you know, we I didn't get the opportunity to go to camp uh, kind of on that same level. They they restricted their just to their uh, national media and very few 
of the local media. So uh, we're hoping that once the season starts, because we heard there may be some changes, we'll, we'll see, um, that we'll get an opportunity to at least cover a couple games this year. But uh, if the way this thing keep going, I don't know if that's going to be the case. But I don't know, because, you know, they got all those false positives today. Yeah, yeah. So we don't know what that's even going to look like. Yeah. Um, a lot of teams have canceled, you know, their um, activities or football-related activities for the day now. In Carolina, there still hadn't been a positive test as right. of yesterday. So I'm not sure if – because today was an off day anyway. So right. I'm not sure how that's going to make this upcoming week look. So Boy, I'll, I tell you, man, I'll do anything to just throw COVID out the window. I'll do anything to throw COVID out the window right about now. <laughs> I'm going to throw everybody out the window that's not wearing a mask. Like, please put those masks on, dude. Even if you think it does nothing. Right. Let, see, here's my philosophy on that. I told somebody before, I'm like, look, put the mask on for two months. And let's, let's come as a, as a unit. And I, and I hate to say this, but almost kind of like we did when, when September 11th happened. We need to come into that type of unison. I mean, it's, it's, I'm, I'm never going to discount it, mm-hmm. discount September 11th. But, like, COVID has been deadly, too, you know. Right. It's, it's, it's a lot, and it just speaks to our leadership. That, and see, and that's my next point. They made it political. When it's not supposed to be – this is not a political thing, but they've made it political. And now it's kind of been political on both sides instead of it being, hey, let's take care of the American citizen. Absolutely. That's the problem that we've run into. And unfortunately, until that gets fixed, which I don't know if it will, I think this is just, uh, unfortunately, a new normal that we all don't want. I mean, uh, my grandpa, you know, passed away yesterday from COVID. So wow. these people that are out here saying, oh, man, this stuff's not real. You, you tell my grandfather. It's definitely real. Yeah. It's definitely real. Yeah, you tell yeah. my grandfather that. You tell my uncle who died a couple months ago from it. You tell me, them that and you let me know. And if it sticks around long enough, you know, everybody's going to have that personal, you know, tie to it. You know, I know people personally that tested positive. They recovered, you know, mm-hmm. they got. But it's getting to the point where we all, when everyone's like, oh, it's not real, it's not real. It's going to get to a point where we all know someone personally that exactly. has had COVID. Exactly. Whether, you know, it was fatal or not. We're going to find somebody that had COVID. So I just. Let's just get it together, people. That's, that's all we're asking for here. We want sports back. Just get, just get it together. Our, not even just sports. Like life. Go to school and have a social life. Like I exactly. feel like I'm, I'm just encapsulating them because I don't know what other people are doing or what their households are doing. So I have to. Now, luckily, I have three boys, so they have each other to play with. But, right. you know, so. Yeah, should. I mean, and that's the thing. Virtual learning, you name it. So my kids, I got three kids, same thing. You know, they're in the house. They're screaming, Dad, vacation. You know, let's go do something. I'm like, uh, what are we going to do? Because <laughs> I'm not trying to catch that stuff. And then we both, you know, yeah. and then we're all affected. So it's just it's right. just one of those things. But hopefully, right. hopefully they get everything together. Now let's talk. Let's get a little bit to a lighter side of things here. And I'm uh, Nishina. Sheena, I'm going to get better at it, though. Now, Sheena, uh, t- tell us, where did your love for sports come from? Where, where did that moment you said, all right, this is what I want to, you know, this is what I want to be a part of, that passion for sports uh, and, and, you know, just that, that sport that, that, that gave you life. Tell us about your love of sports and your passion. Well, I have been in love with sports since I was five years old. Um, I had an older cousin named Cassie. He's three years, three years older than me, but we kind of grew up like brother and sister. We were all through the summers at my grandma's house, like in the South, that, that happens a lot where your parents are going to work, your, 
you know, we had so many little adventures and stuff, but um, he played little league baseball. My uncle was the coach and my cousins were on the team. They're all guys. And I was like, well, I can do that. I want to play. I could do that. And so I was like his shadow. I would run behind and do everything, everything. Every My mom wouldn't let me play that first year. So I was the bat girl and the scorekeeper, but <laughs> I had to be around sports. Right. Like I got hit in the eye with the softball before I've, I've had the, the playing kickball and get the wind knocked out of you and your son. You, you've had yeah. that happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I still come back for more. I'm like, no, 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 no. And so, um, being that I had the older cousin, he was like this basketball phenom. He was a standout. Everyone in the family thought I was just going to be the nerd. And I was, I was a nerd, but I just, sports were just literally always kind of intrinsically woven into my life. So when it came time to like try out for competitive sports, I played basketball, I ran track, I played volleyball, I played softball and softball and track are actually in the same season. So I wouldn't even practice softball. I would just go play the games because right. I just had enough softball knowledge that we, I mean, I can catch, I can hit the ball. <laughs> I'm all right. I, I can do this. <laughs> yeah. And, and so it kind of, I never thought that I would be an athlete beyond, it was just something that I could do. And it came naturally to me, but with my competitiveness, like I had to always go full out. Like, I mean, to the point where girls that were on the track team, if they play basketball, I, you're not beating me in a suicide or a drill or anything, because I don't need you to have any confidence going into track season that you beat me in anything. Like that's how, that's how like ridiculous I was. I had to win every rep. I had to win every suicide. And um, I didn't even really realize what I was doing or who I was becoming. I just knew I was doing what I like to do. Right. And anything that I do, I have to go 110. I have to, or I feel like I'm wasting my time. And I feel like I'm wasting my energy. And I know this is super spiritual, super Southern, but I feel like I'm wasting the, the gifts that God gave me. Right, right. And that would, that would make me irresponsible. So I just had to go all out. And then, you know, um, when school started recruiting me, I was like, oh. I'm that, I'm that good? Okay, all right. Tell me some more. <laughs> yeah, I was like, that's kind of cool. Like, it was to the point, but like I said, my family, I wasn't the athlete. You know, my grandma, she was at everything. She was at every volleyball game. She was bringing sports bras to the school, knee pads, basketball shoes, tracks. Because I would forget something every week. Like, the people in the in the front office were like, what did Shane forget this time? She was there for everything awesome. and um, ended up signing to run track at NC State. Later, I transferred to Florida State to continue my athletic career. But sports have always been a part of my life, like always. Even after I became a mom, you know, my ex-husband, he was an athlete, too. He Sports had, had been a part of his life. His family had actually started a track and field club in Durham called the Durham Striders that were mm -hmm. really good nationally. So they had been running tracks since they were four and five years old. So of course my kids grow up and boom, you know, they're Same running dream. tracks, they're playing soccer, they're playing, but I let them play everything to decide what they wanted to do. I didn't want them to feel like, okay, mom and dad ran track. So I have to run track. Dad played football. I have to play football. Mom played basketball. Right. I just let them naturally do what they do. And it's just crazy how genetics works. You know, they do the same events that me and my ex-husband did. <laughs> you know, Trey was out there for, for AAU track and he decided he wanted to do the um, multi-events, which is kind of like the decathlon, but it's the pentathlon for younger children. It's five, mm -hmm. five events. And he did so good in high jump, he ended up taking that as his individual event and he was an All-American. He had wow. never even practiced it. He taught himself how to do it during the meets. Like, you know, his grandfather, because like I said, we're a track family. Right. He started high jumping. I said, 
He's like, does he practice? I said, no, he doesn't practice. <laughs> mama got good genes. Baby got good genes. <laughs> that guy jumped, I want to say, 6'11 in high school. And he mm. didn't even pursue track. He ran, you know, he played football. That's he crazy. triple jumped almost, triple jumped 50 feet. He long jumped like 25 feet in high school. He made it to the Olympic trials as a high school senior. So those are the, it's just always been around. Like, it's just always, that's, that's what's making my kids go so crazy right now. Because they not, need to get out. Let me loose. <laughs> I had to order an agility kit and they're outside doing, running, doing ladder drills and DB drills. And those are just, they're not doing it because I'm telling them they have to. They just want to do it. And when you have a love for sport like that, it doesn't feel like a chore. So for me, my degrees are in accounting and in international marketing. But going through my divorce, writing about sports kind of became like just something for me to do to fill my time. And it just took off. And again, like I said, even though it was a hobby, I was like, no, nah, I got to go all out, man. I'm not just going to cover these games. I'm going to go to training camp. I'm right. going to go to the draft. I'm going to go to the combine because I felt like I was, I felt like I was a step or two behind just covering camp. You know, the other, you know, media members, they, they had been right. there. They know who these guys are. They know where their strengths and weaknesses are. They know their college careers. And I was like, nah, if I'm going to do this, I got to go all out. I got to start knowing what their strengths and weaknesses are. I got to know what the Panthers need. I got to know what, um, what athletes fit their personnel athletic wise, as well as personality. And, you know, just being a student of the game, like I had to just, just go all in. Right. So I've been doing that for about four years now. I was just like, I got, I got to do everything. I got, I'm doing a pro bowl. I'm doing a pro bowl. <laughs> you know, a couple of weeks later, I'm I'm in Indy for the combine. Like it's it's, it's funny because like I'll be at the Super Bowl ending, concluding a season, and three weeks later, I'm like, all right, next season's about to start. Who's up? You <laughs> know, up? <laughs> who, are they, who are they interviewing? What off season moves did they make? So it's just always been, I've always loved it. So it doesn't feel like work, and that's what I think makes me just so driven to keep doing it. It's, it's fun. Yeah, yeah, and I think people. People don't realize that part of it. Like, you know, I've, and I've said this before, like for me, it was growing up wanting to do this. You know, sports was a part of my life, but me growing up wanting to be a part of media came from me waking up every day, six o'clock, five o'clock in the morning, sports center stayed on from six to 12 and you would get a home six o'clock to whenever. And then it would 11 till you fell asleep. That was me for the first 10, 15 years of my life. For, you know, wanting wow. to be the Stuart Scotts, the Rich Eisens, you know, wanting to follow the Dan Patrick's, following their footsteps, you know, and, and being an anchor. Then you see your Lisa Salters, you know, all of those people, you know, they, you know, you don't, I guess some of them may not even realize how much they in, influence us, uh, at least our generation of, of sports fans and sports media. That's why you see so many people trying to cover uh, media nowadays. And I think right. that, you know, for me, I know that's that's how it was for me. And I, I mean, that's how I fell in love with it. But now you said, you know, you, you got into journalism, but you no, know, what came into the decision, the final decision, getting into journalism and then building that brand of yours? You know, tell us how that all came about. Um, well, I started writing for BSO, for Black Sports Online. So it's just a hobby. Mm-hmm. And when I noticed, people were kind of like, oh, you're kind of good at that. You know, people thought that it was my full-time thing. And I was like, man, kind of want to, you know, might be kind of cool now um Robert Littell you know he built this brand and it was his and he 
ran it as he saw fit. Right. I felt like the site and I were going in opposite directions. He was mm -hmm. doing more entertainment and kind of gossipy things, things that are going to get him the clicks because that gets him paid. I, I'm right. not knocking anyone's hustle. You're in LA. That's what's going to get you paid. But at the same time, um, a colleague, a very well-respected colleague that had been in the industry for a long time, he, he told me at the, at the comma, he said, well, you are very captivating. You know what you're talking about. You are networking well. So when people, when you meet people here, they're going to want to go see what you wrote about what you saw in the individual, like what you saw at the combine. Right. They don't want to click through a bunch of stuff. They don't want to click right. through the Kardashians and the black Chinas and the baby mamas. Right. They want to know, like they want some hardcore sports stuff. And so this was Rob's platform. So I couldn't go in and tell him <laughs> his site. And so, you know, I, I came to the, the decision that, you know, if I want to write about what I want to write about, I need my own, my own outlet. I need my own platform because I'm not going to knock what gets him paid. He does right. that. I get some paid. That's his thing. I can't tell him what to do, but I need somebody to know that I actually know about football and I'm not just, this isn't just fluff. This isn't TMZ sports. Right. Nothing against TMZ sports, but you don't see TMZ sports getting credentialed. They're not yeah. doing gaming. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm serious. They no, have, you're they right. You're right. Some stories. They break some sports stories, but they aren't doing analysis. And that was particularly what I wanted to do. So, I mean, instead of asking for a seat at the table, sometimes you just got to make your own table. Yeah. And, and that's the thing, you know, like, and I agree with you with that, you know, like there's no knock on TMZ. They do break the stories, you know, um, yeah. they, they, you know, they, different they type do of journalism. It's, but it is. It is. It's, it's I, like you said, the clicks. You know, I got into it. I got into it, and I know a couple other people I've had on here that we all both know: uh, Vashti, Raphael. Um, you know, uh, Team Crush down in Atlanta. We we we've all said the same thing, and I think you would agree. We got in this to tell the athlete side of the story. One, but then yeah. two, we don't want. We get tired of the negative part of sports. So, like we want some positive. Well, we're going to report on the negative, but we want some positive stuff. You want some positive stuff and you want to, what I think has become very evident during COVID is that these guys are not just entertainment. They're actual people with families and things that they're doing out in the community that are important. And those stories are not told enough. You know, I would say case in point, Cam Newton. Right. National media, national media drug Cam Newton for filth for a very long time. I mean, that narrative is changing now that he's in New England. That's a whole other story. <laughs> I, I particularly heard the sportscaster talk about how selfish he is. And he's a me, me, me person. And I'm like, this man spends hundreds of thousands of dollars in philanthropic efforts. Right. From Atlanta to, in, to Charlotte. And you never hear about that stuff on national media. No one talks about that. And I get it there. They're talking about him as the athlete, but the fact that the man wears what he wants to wear. Yes. <laughs> during, doesn't make him a selfish player. You know, all of his teammates always talk about how, how good of a leader he is and, and, and that role that he plays. And, you know, even reaching back to the youth, his seven on 17 has right. produced NFL talent. And as a mom of, you know, I have three boys, but two that are back to, you know, they're 15 months apart. Right. I don't know if your kids play, you know, like compet like football or literally, that's expensive. It is. <laughs> it's it's, not, it's not cheap. Over respect. <laughs> You're spending about 700 just with registration. Then you have to get clothes and gear and yes. the travel yes. and 
there's a lot of stuff that comes with that. And that's seven on 17, the parents pay, don't pay a dime. Yeah, see, that's, that's the thing, you know, uh, he knows about that outside of Atlanta. Yeah. I mean, and so, and like, and you make a good point about cam, you know, I, it, it drove me nuts because yeah, he dresses a little eccentric. I mean, I, I know I can't rock the style. But when you got money, you can make things happen. Take Russell we- Russell Westbrook, for example. Yeah, some, and some that's people just got your own. Right. But I've never thought that he was selfish. Yeah. I, I, I always thought that, you know, people gave him a bad look because, one, I, I'm not throwing this out there. I think it's one because he's a black quarterback. Uh, well, you know, black quarterbacks kind of get that. Yeah, <laughs> he gets that thing. You know, when he was getting abused a couple years ago, he was getting hit on all these late hits and they're not calling anything on him. But, you know, and I'm a Packers fan. You know, when outside of media, I'm a Packers fan. Aaron Rodgers would get this call. Cam News is not getting this call because he's a bigger guy. What, what's that? Not only that he's a bigger guy, he's a black quarterback. And let's just call a spade a spade. That is one of the most cerebral positions on the field. And right. that's why for a long time they didn't feel like black men had the intellectual capacity to play quarterback. And that, and that, that drives me insane. I mean, because as a kid, I think one guy that always – I all, it was two guys that I always felt like I wish I could have seen them play, but I knew because of what you're saying, never, never come to fruition. Charlie Ward, he felt like he had to go to basketball because of that. And Tommy Frazier from Nebraska. Those two guys kind of like what you see the NFL at quarterback today. That's they, what they were doing in college. That then, and they didn't get that opportunity. So that always drives me nuts because I wish I would have loved to see those two at that level. Um, you know, and then we slowly but surely got quarterbacks in McNabb and McNair. Well, McNair's my guy. Uh, but those guys started to open those doors, and then they really swung open when Russell and then now Pat and all those guys. So it's good to see. And it's not that foreign anymore where it's like, oh, well, they, they, you start to not hear it as much. I mean, I mean, I think the last year was definitely the year of the black quarterback. You know, your, your rookie of the year, Kyler yeah. Murray, you got, you know, Lamar Jackson was MVP, Pat Mahomes, Super Bowl MVP. That's never happened before. And we can only hope that that's going to be a changing of the tide when it comes to the limitations that are placed on that quarterback position when it comes right. to black players versus white. I mean, for the life of me, and I kept saying it, I would never understand where being athletic is a weakness for a freaking athlete. Yeah, like, I don't understand athleticism that. <laughs> or athleticism, they were looking, oh, he's getting himself in position to get injured. But then you get a Josh Allen where they're talking about, ooh, look at all these rushing touchdowns. And it's like, okay. I always thought that. And I, I'm a huge Josh Allen guy, I, w- I would say. But, uh, you know, yeah, they compare. No, that's, that's not a yeah. knock on him as a player, but right. how you praise him, but not praise the same, the same position. Yeah. And I felt that way when they were coming out in that in that court that stack quarterback class. I will never forget the draft was in Dallas that year and mm-hmm. it was getting later and later. And I was like, okay, I've got to stay in case Lamar Jackson goes in, in the, the first, first yeah. And he went last. And it was only it wasn't a lot of media there. It had been a very long day. People had I was like, I'm going to stay here because this man should go on day one. Right. He was the last quarterback taken in that group crazy and now he's the mvp <laughs> now he's the mvp i remember being on a call with um mel kuyper and i asked i said you know you're talking about lamar jackson's um inaccuracy when josh allen's isn't that much greater so how do you use this same metric for the same position in the same draft year but you're using that metric differently for each player and he couldn't really answer it 
I believe it. I need to find that audio because I needed to know. Yeah, and see, and that's crazy. Like a lot of people compare Josh Allen to Cam Newton, and they say, "Well, they if you look at it, the style's kind of similar." But like you said, Cam would get more. You know, would get knocked on a little bit more Cam than Cam is a Josh Allen. Yeah. Okay. yeah. He's freaking nature. Like, and, and I, I see that he's getting the, those headlines are different now that he's in New England. I don't know if, what that had to do with the Carolina market. Right. But, I mean, I saw, a, I saw a, um, a headline on Twitter. Oh, this is he, – he's this, he's that. And, you know, this is definitely his team. And it's like this is the same man that a couple months ago <laughs> he deserved to be unemployed. So, just I, – I mean, I for one hope Cam has an amazing season. I don't think that Carolina did him any favors as far as putting the weapons around him that were necessary for him right. to be the very, very best quarterback he could be. I think he did the best he could with what he was given. So, I mean, that's just the thing. Like, it's interesting. Yeah, I mean – and. So it's going to be – that's why I say this, this season is going to be really intriguing, especially for Carolina, because now Carolina, as you, as you well know, has completely changed things around. New uh, era. You New know, era. rule is there. You know, uh, Rivera's in D.C. now. Uh, you got, you know, Teddy Bridgewater, who I, 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 I've been a Ted, Teddy B guy for a while myself. I like the way – I just like him as a person. Um, you know, right. And so I'm, I'm intrigued to see, but you're there every day. So give us your Carolina Panther preview or your thoughts heading into this season. Um, when they made all the changes that they made, which is almost a full wipe of everything, people thought that they were tanking, tanking for Trevor. Right. Thought they were tanking for Trevor. I think that this team is going to surprise some folks. I do think that they are. I mean, now we, they, they swept the, the defensive side of the ball. You know, Mario Addison and James Bradbury were the biggest pieces of that defense that are no longer there. Well, mm-hmm. other than, I mean, Luke Keekley, obviously, right. you know, he retired, but, and, and, and so I, when I say that, I mean like these were guys that are now just are still in the NFL, just playing elsewhere. You know, there's no Jerry McCoy. There's no um, Kyle Love. Like everybody that we had got grown accustomed to watching on that Carolina defense is gone, other than Trey Boston, and Dante Jackson, and KK Short was out last season, all season for injury. He is he's back. He's the only remaining captain, period, offense or defense on this Carolina squad. But I like that defensive front four. I like what I've seen. It's very early in camp, very early. Right. But I like what I have seen so far. I like the speed. You know, they talk about speed on the other side of the ball with them getting Robbie Anderson. They already have Curtis Samuel, DJ Moore, Christian McCaffrey. They have some speedsters. They have some guys that can burn it up over there. But they also have some guys on the defense that have a motor. You know, they have Jeremy Chin. I really like that pick. I like that draft pick. They have Jeremy Chin. He's probably going to start. I would say it's his starting position to lose, in my opinion. you have Dante Jackson, who is very, very fast. Right. And once he learns to, to focus on the details of the position and the discipline of the position, he's going to be very special. I like, um, of course, Trey Boston. He's the mouth of the South on that team. And they need that. <laughs> they need, but they need someone like that because, you know, in the last couple of years, they've lost Julius Peppers. They've lost Luke Keekley, They've lost Thomas Davis, which was huge. Yeah. You guys have him in Washington now. Yeah, yeah he's in D.C. He, yeah. he was the, he was the, the um, 
how do I call? He was that he vocal. Was, that vocal leader. He was Cam Newton's match on the defensive side. Okay, gotcha, but gotcha. On the offensive side, of course, you lose Cam Newton, who was loud. Okay, and it was <laughs> him. It would be TD. Da, 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 da. You know that right. you need that. You need somebody that's going to do that. Now, Luke was more of a quiet leader, and he is still with the team in the scout department. So that's good because guys will still be able to learn from him. And he's probably one of the most diligent players in the league in the last – in recent memory when it comes to preparation. Right. I mean, the man studied the opponent like he was about to go take the bar. <laughs> well, that's good. I mean, because you, having him still there, uh, they're going to need that. And I mean, he's and he's still a fairly young guy. So I mean, and a lot of those play those younger players. I mean, they went all defense in the draft. So I mean, they're they're going to look at this and say, well, uh, this Keekley, former defensive player of the year, fairly young. Most of these kids probably looked up to him coming into the league at already. So you already get to have that knowledge from that guy. That's going to be great for them. I mean, and to hear Whitehead, you know, they came out the same draft class, and he was like, you know, I'd be a fool not to pick his brain while he's here. Right. I mean, I'd be crazy not to take advantage of him still being in the building. So, you know, you have to hear you have um, Stephen Weatherly that I did not know he was that fast. He's, he's pretty <laughs> Derek Brown has great footwork and handwork. For his size, he's he, – The big boy. He's impressive. Then we have Brian Burns, who's due that season. He was he started out having a standout rookie year, and his snaps went down considerably. Mm-hmm. You know, people were talking about him the first two, two, three weeks of the season as defensive player, defensive rookie of the year. So you know, you have him. He his wrist is is a hundred percent better. He's healthy. You know, he's put on a little bit of muscle. You know, but still retained his speed. So I think that this defense is going to shock a lot of people and on offense of course you have you have christian mccaffrey and the biggest thing is people like teddy bridgewater over cam newton they're different players but they can still get it done i for one am excited um about teddy i think that he definitely worked his ass off i'm sorry i don't know if you have to censor he no 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 censor you're solid (laughs) to come back from that injury because that it was a gruesome injury that ends careers right a couple years later he's back into a starting position that i think he deserves he showed us in 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 new orleans that he's you know he still has some good football left in him and with the weapons that have been placed around him i think that he can do good things now the thing that that kind of just is has been the achilles heel in carolina has always been that offensive line right so that's going to tell the tale on how this season goes for them if Teddy B can stay off of his back, this offense has a chance to do great things. Now, if, if I'm not mistaken, uh, Teddy B and, and, and Matt Rule used to be together in Minnesota, correct? Um, I'm or not I'm sure. I'm not saying that wrong. Because I know Matt's time, like his NFL experience was, was very small. Very limited, right? Okay. I don't remember if he was in Minnesota. I do know he has experience with Joe Brady. Okay. Okay. Let's have experience with Joe Brady, who's the new offensive coordinator. So, um, you know, they they have that advantage. You know, the Panthers are a team that all knew everything, and they needed this offseason to have OTAs and rookie mini camps and things like that, and they didn't get to have that because of COVID. So any sense of familiarity is going to be, you know, snatched up by them and the fact that teddy and um joe brady have that familiarity that's one of the most important connections on the team is the quarterback and the oc 
So I think that that, um, that definitely helps kind of soften the blow of the growing pains that we're going to see. See, and that's, and that's, that's the thing. I, I knew it was some type of connection there, but on that offensive side, I think of Robbie Anderson, uh, I believe also uh, was at Temple when uh, Rule was there, if I, and I could be wrong on that. But uh, like I said, I like, I like overall uh, what they've done because I feel like they're not, like you said, I don't think they're rebuilding per se. I just think it's going to be a different way of life. So It's a rebuild, but people think that a rebuild means you tear it completely down right. and you are just trash for the foreseeable future. I don't think so. I mean, I think it's definitely going to be some growing pains for sure. But I don't think it's going to be quite as bad as it looked. It just looked like everybody was just jumping shit. Like, yeah. <laughs> it was happening fast, too. I was like, man, they are, they are tearing things down in Carolina. <laughs> I mean, like I said, Kyle Love was gone. Um, Vernon Butler's gone. Mario right. Addison's gone. Most of them, I think all three of them might be in New York. Um, oh, no, no, no. Kyle Love, I think, is in Dallas. You know, James Bradbury, who honestly was the most consistent part of that secondary because Carolina had a revolving door to secondary for right. a while there after the 2015 season. Yeah, because he came in as a rookie and started. He came and in as so, a yeah. and started, and he has progressed. He progressed over time throughout his contract, throughout his four years. And he was going up against, you know, Julio Jones, Mike <laughs> Evans, Michael Thomas, and he was holding his own. So, you know, that was a huge blow to them because on the other side of the – who's going to start opposite of Dante Jackson? And, and that's where it gets interesting. Assuming Dante Jackson starts. Right. You know, so it's just going to be – it's an interesting camp. So it's, it's only one weekend for, for media anyway, so. Right. Well, I can't wait. I can't wait the season start. I mean, I, I was telling a friend, I was like, man, it's, it's probably, what, 18 days away, and it doesn't really it – it's kind of weird because it's, what, three, two or three weeks away, and I'm like, man, the season has just creeped – it crept up on us. We were yeah. so focused on COVID, I completely forgot that the season was here, but it's yeah. here in front of us. So I just can't wait for some football to go down. Uh, and, you know, I think uh, if we're both lucky, we may get to see each other in late December when Carolina comes up to Washington. So who knows? Who knows? Maybe, maybe we get lucky and that happens then. So everybody, now it's time for my favorite part of the show. And this is a first because it's time for quick ones, but we have quick. quick. So somehow, some way, this might be the quickest of quick ones yet. I don't know. <laughs> that could be just what I'm saying. But we, like, like we talked about a little bit earlier, you know, on quick ones, it's just, hey, tell us how you feel on certain things. But ladies and gentlemen, here it is. It's the Sheena Quicker version of Quick One. <laughs> Are you ready? Are you ready, Miss Quick? I think so. Oh, you'll be fine. You'll be fine. <laughs> All right, here we go. First one. Who is your favorite athlete that you've ever covered? That I've ever covered? Shoot. Man, never covered Deontay. Well, can we count the the coverage of his um, documentary premiere? <laughs> yeah, why not? <laughs> why not? <laughs> okay, we're gonna say that I would definitely say Deion Sanders. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, he went to Florida State. He was a track guy also, and I just, I just, I mean, prime, he's prime time. He is prime time. He is prime time. You know, it's funny because I think that you may be the third person so far. That have named Deion Sanders as a, a my man Emmanuel Glaze. 
you know, our man Glaze said the same thing. So <laughs> I'm pretty sure Dion would appreciate the love he's been getting here on one on one. Next one, your favorite sports moment. And this can be high school. This could be, you know, my personal favorite. It could be your personal favorite. It could be you as a fan. But just that moment that first comes to your mind is like, man, this, that was my favorite sports moment. Probably my first state title in the 100. Just because um, my coach didn't even think that I should be running the 100 anymore. Because <laughs> he had tried me out in the hurdles. He was like, oh, that's going to go a lot further than that 100-meter hurdle time. It's going to go a lot further than that 100-meter dash time. And um, I said, no, I'm going to win the state in the 100. And he was like, okay. I don't think he believed me, but he's like, <laughs> but um, he actually ended up being diagnosed with testicular cancer that season. So he missed the season. Wow. I didn't really have a coach per se for school. And my AAU coach, who honestly, like ironically had been my PE teacher when I was like five. Um, and he was at a rival high school, but he would train with me on Saturdays because I was a very cerebral athlete. I'm like, oh, I didn't feel like I got enough starts. I didn't, and whatever it was that I needed to, to calm this down right here, right. I would do. So when I crossed the line and I won, that was probably my favorite sports moment. I just couldn't believe it was happening. <laughs> okay, okay. All right, next one. Interview that you wish that you could do over. Lisa Leslie. Ah. Yeah. Um, we interviewed after practice in Kansas City for Big Three, and I just wish it would have been quieter. I would have been able to get <laughs> my thoughts, you know, because I kind of had to rush it because other people were waiting for interviews also. So I would say Lisa right. Leslie. Lisa Leslie. Okay. Yeah, I think, um, oh, man. I, I think my first time around, I, the first one that I wish that I, I kind of had a chance to do a little bit more in debt was with Aaron Rodgers, even though it was more in of a oppressor form. I wish that I had came a little bit more prepared uh, question-wise. I felt like I could have asked him better questions um, the first time. The second time, I, I, was in, I was in way better shape when they, when they came back to D.C. But that first time in that preseason, I just – I was like, man, uh, he was one. And then Bruce Arian. I asked Bruce Arian a question one time when he was in Arizona as the head coach and they played uh, Washington at the end of the season. If I could do anything over, <laughs> that would definitely be the one. I asked him a stupid question. I'll never forget it. And I just said, well, won't do that anymore. <laughs> well, at least I'll try not to do that anymore. But you never know how that's going to go. <laughs> you don't. You know, you, you never know. All right. And the last one on quick ones. Name three foods that you never, ever want to taste again. Again? Never. He's like, if I, if you can just say, eh, I'll give you an example for me, liver. Ah, liver can just go somewhere. I'll never want to have liver ever again. But if you give me three, if you can't think of three, just give me a couple. Number one definitely would be rabbit stew. Like, even the thought of it now. <laughs> I had it at Essence Festival two years ago, and I just couldn't. Yeah, I'm good on that. <laughs> you say you had an Essence Festival? Yeah, Essence yeah, Festival is fire. I went, I went in 2010, and they have all types of crazy things going on there. But rabbit stew is definitely not one of the things I had an opportunity to try. <laughs> rabbit stew can get up out of here. Um, that might be the only one. That's the only way. Hey, that's all good. That's all good. I was, you know, it's funny because like 
I, I, liver's always been one for me. I, I just don't know. I've had rabbit before, uh, fried. I've had it, like, baked. It's not terrible. Um, but for me, liver. I had it once when I was, like, six. And I don't know if it's because of the way the person made it. I don't know. But I've I will never, never eat it. See, that's, never eat I, think I, I think my list is so short because, like, if something does not sound appealing to me, I'm like, mm. No, nah, I'm good. <laughs> I'm like, no, I don't want those problems. <laughs> I never had liver or gizzards. Gizzards are, gizzards are not bad. They just, they just can be a little tough at times. I mean, it just, you know, and if you eat the wrong gizzard, it's like it's gristle. Yeah, I'm a texture person too. So if I bite into that and it doesn't, mm -mm. I don't like um when it comes to texture. I would probably throw um mushrooms in there. Like I can't, I can't do mushrooms. Like I don't know what like it is, but everything. I like, I like the flavor. It's the texture though. Like I can't, I can't mess with that texture. I don't know what it is. Just are you from the south? I am. I mean, I'm in Virginia. I mean, I'm like, but you know, I'm borderline because I'm. We right before you. Yeah, y'all think y'all. Y'all think y'all up north sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> but you know why? Because everybody from up north comes and moves to Virginia. We got everybody from Jersey and we got everybody from New York. Really? <laughs> yes. Yes. Wow. We have a lot of my wife. My wife, her family's from Jersey. Most of um, I got a lot of people that I know. They left New York to come here, and then they complained about Virginia the whole time. But I can't stand it. It's like, well, go back to New York. No, I don't want them problems. Oh, okay, well, then, you know, you're here. You might as well enjoy it, you know. <laughs> you had fried mushrooms? No, 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 not fried mushrooms. I haven't had fried mushrooms. Are they good? Fire. Fire? Okay. Maybe one time I'll, I'll try. I'll try just you try because you said South. it. We fry everything. Yeah, that's I'm true, too. I'm on a little 30-day diet, so I can't eat fried food. But, yeah, <laughs> we fry everything in the South, like Oreos. I've had fried Oreos. Fried Oreos are fire. So yeah. I, I, I agree with you 100% on that. Fried Oreos are great. Pickles? Um, fried pickles? Yes, I've had that, too. I've had fried pickles. Had fried pickles. I fried okra. Try fried mushrooms. Just give it a try. I bet you'll like I'm, it. I might. You know, I, I might give it a shot because you said if I do, I'm going to post a picture of it and be like, look, Sheena said these are phenomenal. Here we go. <laughs> We're going to see what happens. They are. They're good. All right, everybody. That was the Sheena Quick edition of Quick Ones here on One on One. And before we get off of this thing today, I just have to say thank you so much for coming on and being a part of the 25th episode of One on One. But before we get out of here, Miss Quick, I have to know before we go, and it's, you know, uh, any special projects you got going on. And what type of legacy do you want to leave uh, once you finish your career? Uh, so if you get that opportunity, can you leave your legacy? Okay. Um, as far as projects, I just have the NFL and hoping that it starts. <laughs> <laughs> I'm also doing a biweekly article, a biweekly column, rather, for Revolt TV called um, The Halftime Report. And we just explore like a plethora of different sports and just issues and, and, and um, subjects and topic matters in the sports slash hip hop world. So I have that. Be on the lookout for that. It usually posts on Wednesdays. Every um, in this Wednesday is set to, to publish as well. You, are, you guys can also catch, always catch my Panthers coverage on Fox Sports 1340am.com, which you guys are local. Yeah, they're they're actually not too far from us. I'm I'm probably about like twenty thirty minutes from there, yeah. uh, you know. And I know my man Glenn very well. Yeah. Uh, I know I know I he's a good friend of mine. So yeah, I, I we we definitely have connected a couple of times. I actually went on one of his shows one time. I had to I got lucky enough to um, uh, sit in for him on one of the um, radio shows one time. So 
Yeah, he, he's awesome. So I always have that there. And of course, Quick Out the Blocks, where I talk about everything. <laughs> um, <laughs> everything. Quick <laughs> Catch Quick Out the Blocks on Spotify and um, iTunes. Um, that podcast drops. We don't even have a regular um, release date because things were just happening so crazy. I'd be like, well, we got to record twice this week and maybe one time. Right. Week. I'll try to get back on a, a more of a schedule so that people can, you know, be expecting it and know when to, to go check it out. Um, Bash Ty, her and I have Quick Blitz and it's on the Riot Network and you can find that wherever you get your podcast. That comes out every Wednesday. So yeah, just you could catch up with me on, on any of those things or you know, you can always follow me on Twitter, Sheena underscore Marie three. And um, yeah, that's about it. <laughs> as far as my legacy, I just want people to remember fair, accurate, and fresh coverage. I like it. I like it. Just plain yeah, and fair, simple. Accurate, and fresh. <laughs> I love it. Just plain and simple. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen. I just want to say I am just so ecstatic that I was able to get Machina Quick here on episode 25 of 101 here on the Legacy Maker Sports Network. And it's funny because me and Sheena talked right before the show and I said, Sheena, I was this close to actually having a, a, a conversation with you at the big three last year. We just couldn't even, we, could, we just couldn't even connect because it was so crazy at the time in the back-to-back games. But, you know, hopefully here in the future, we'll get that opportunity to to meet on a, on a physical basis. Once again, everybody, y'all make sure y'all check out my girl, Sheena. She is absolutely amazing. I'm not just saying that because she's on the show. If you don't believe me, go check out the coverage. I'm telling you, you will absolutely love it. I'm Darrell Owens, Legacy Maker Sports Network. Uh, I couldn't even get my words out. Darrell Owens, Legacy Maker Sports Network, episode 25. This has been One on One. Thank you. Welcome to the one-on-one. When it comes to ratings, man, we number one. I get the truth, then I give them the scoop. If anybody got a question, I give them the proof. Welcome to the one-on-one. When it comes to ratings, man, we number one. I get the truth, then I give them the scoop. If anybody got a question, I give them the proof. Welcome to one-on-one at Legacy Lake Sports Network.